ladies, 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 gentlemen, 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 welcome to Cast Dice. Tonight, 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 monster, monster, no, okay, not monster trucks. Tonight, we are going to be talking about auto-dueling. Now, if you are my age or younger or older, you probably remember the heyday of the 80s when we had Mad Max. Now, of course, Mad Max Fury Road came out a couple years ago, but the original Mad Max in the late 70s, and then when it came to the States with subtitles, even though it's in English, was ridiculous. And then we got The Road Warrior, and we got Beyond Thunderdome. All throughout that time, throughout comic books, throughout you know trashy science fiction novels, through wargaming or just tabletop gaming or role-playing at that point, through the 80s, there was this general, I mean, it was a genre. The, the whole battling cars, post-apocalyptic world, wasteland. It was a thing. And it was a thing that was pretty amazing to play in. Um, lots of great games and really creative, imaginative stories came out of those times. Clearly, of course, we're talking the Mad Max games. But, uh, sorry, the Mad Max movies. Um, but we also had... Car Wars, which was a gaming phenomenon for years. Um, it was one of the first tabletop games I ever played, um, and it captured my imagination as a youth, and I would run to the game store constantly for Auto Duel Quarterly. It came out every quarter, and I was there literally almost every week as a kid, you know, going through the racks of the game store, trying to find more Car Wars stuff. And back then, of course, it was just maps with grids on them, and you moved little cardboard counters. So it wasn't like I was spending a million dollars. It was cheap. It was cheerful. It was fun. And my friends and I played it for hours. In retrospect, going back to look at it now, you needed a manual to play that game, and it it wasn't exactly user-friendly. Um... I've tried, as I said in the last podcast, playing that a few times uh, in the last couple years. And it's, look, there's a lot of rules. And that means you can do almost anything you want. I mean, in my game against Dave Monroe, I was driving along. My car lost control. Um, I was on fire and I needed to not die. So I ran my car into a wall to stop my car fast enough so my guy didn't burn. And we, I crawled out and survived. Only in Car Wars could something like that happen. It was, to be fair, it was a little clunky. Now, we've seen a few addition changes in the last 20, 30 years for that game. They just never caught the imagination like the original did. Now, a couple years ago, Dave Taylor, uh, my old roommate back from Games Workshop days, um, started a group online that was taking Matchbox cars. And this was about the same time as Mad Max Fury Road. And they were modifying them. And they were playing dumbed-down, um, fun car wars with these painted-up, converted Matchbox cars. And it was awesome. And I painted up and converted a few myself. I played around with them a bit. But I never really found the rules that I wanted to play. Well, I have been talking about this game online and on this podcast for literally, God, it feels like six, nine months, maybe even a year. It's been so long, I can't remember when I started being excited about it. But it has literally just hit stores. 
Brought to you by Osprey Games, we have the brand new game, Gaslands, which marries the fun and the, the clean rules of the games that we like to play now and the rich, rich history of post-apocalyptic auto-dueling. So I think it's time that I introduce my guest. Now, I'm pretty excited to have him on tonight. All the way from the UK, I would like to welcome Mike Hutchinson, the author of hey. Gasland. Welcome, man. How you doing? Hey, buddy. How's it doing? Oh, man. I'm excited. So excited to talk about this game. I can't even tell you. All right. Before we even get to the game, though, let's talk a little bit about you. Now, Mike, I, I understand this is your first foray into game design. Is that right? This is it, man. This is this is my my firstborn son. Ooh. Oh, so you clearly you probably have some feelings about it, Brian. I can't tell you. Uh, this is something that I've uh, I started gaming when I was like thirteen, fourteen mm -hmm. uh, with Hero Quest, and you know, like many of us, the first thing that we do when we start wargaming is we 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 write our own things, we modify the things, and we write mm -hmm. our own. Man, I I wrote my first. Uh, car racing game to use uh, orc bikes when i was like 15 so this is the work of like 20 years of of hoping uh coming coming real it's it's incredible i love it now clearly i mean with a lot of game designers they put out a lot of games and some there's often a lot of complaints oh they're not tested properly oh this hasn't been play tested it's not balanced this that and the other thing now, I haven't been part of the process because I was working with my masters, but I saw the call that you put out for beta testing, and I was part of the Facebook group for Gaslands, and I used to troll on the forums, as in just look on and not actually post anything. You've been actively playtesting this game for forever. Um, can you talk? I don't know. Um, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but so I guess we should go back to why Gaslands? Where did that come from? So clearly you had a bee in your <laughs> bonnet about orc bikers. Um, and then I guess talk us through how that idea all those years ago turned into this brand new game. Um, and maybe talk about the process of writing a rule set and then giving it to someone else to break. Um, why don't we go from there? So yeah. please let me stop talking. You get in there. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. So uh, I, okay. So about Four or five years ago, I decided I wanted to write a book. I was like, I'm at an age. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book. I can definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll, I, I do, a, I do um, software product management at work. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll write a book about how to do that job that I do. And I, every time I sat down to write the book, I wouldn't actually start on the book that I was intending. I would just write another game. Uh, i write a board game or a card game or a war game. And so I uh, decided, oh, look, let's, let's lean into this. I set myself a little challenge, which was, could I write a playable game every month for a year? Uh, oh, just wow. something that was complete enough that I could share it with some friends, but maybe wasn't good enough to do anything else with it. And so I started doing that and I wrote a, a game a month, uh, which I still do actually, um, for coming on, I guess four or five years I've been writing this now. So I have a stack of terrible unplayable games and a couple of, right on. a couple of them are really nice. And I, I, uh, um, uh, so what happened was a um, friend of mine uh, and I used to meet up regularly to play X-Wing. Uh, he and I both uh, work in London. We can't 
carry huge armies around so we liked x-wing because of the small number of things that we could just fit in a in a plastic tub and take to work totally. and we got chatting we got chatting after that we both love that game and he uh he was suggesting why he, he was asking why there isn't really a decent car combat game there's lots of spaceship games and army games and sci-fi and fantasy and lots of other genres are covered um and i thought well hey all right uh, that's a challenge. I don't have an idea for this month's game, so I'm just going to go ahead and write a little uh, car game. I'll um, I'll use some of the some of the things that we like about the other games that we're playing, the skirmish games that we're playing. Mm-hmm. And I wrote something in my notebook. I texted him like a like a little picture of the of the rules, which were just one page at that point. And it kind of grew from there. We spent a couple of weeks knocking ideas backwards and forwards, and uh, that's as far as it went. I actually just made a little eight page rule book, uh, which is. Um, which I put on my website and it was playable. It was just about enough to, to get going. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of forgot about it because actually I was concentrating on what I thought was going to be my serious first attempt at getting a game out, which was like a big um, fast playing fantasy battle game. Uh, Cause uh, GW were just in the process of killing uh, mm-hmm. fantasy battle uh, Kings of war. I'd played. I didn't really like it. Uh, I, I started sending that out. I got a little bit of interest from a couple of different manufacturers and started demoing it to people. And I was like, this is, going to be it i'm going to get a game published but actually in the end uh nobody took that fantasy game uh and offspray said hey i, I we, we're already about to release uh at the time it hadn't come out but they were about to release dragons rampant mm-hmm. and they're like we kind of this already but i just downloaded this car combat game uh which i i think it's really interesting we'd love to do something like that so something that i just put online uh ended up getting downloaded by phil at offspray he was looking for something exactly like this and as we chatted we 100 percent agreed on what this game like why this game could exist and why it would be exciting and that's that hot wheels cars that are converted up to look like mad max yes. stuff and car wars but with 30 ga- 30 years of games design uh built on top of it so it's fast it's easy it's good for you know for for dads to play with their daughters or their sons like that kind of easy intro and it takes maybe 60 minutes to play a game not you know 360 minutes (laughs) yes uh yeah the the games we used to play of car wars would go on for literally days if not nights if not weeks and yeah. (laughs) yeah it was brutal well okay fantastic so um having looked at some of the pictures um Okay, again, I'm jumping the gun. So let's back up a step. Again, I'm really excited. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little giddy tonight. So going back to, so you created a beta set um, and you put the call out and then you had a lot of people from the community um, who said, hey, this is something I'm interested in and they gave it a go. Um, did you find the beta testing useful, helpful? Um, how integral was that into what became the final version of the rules, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, so I, the answer to that is uh, super important, completely integral. And uh, I guess I got this idea because I had been, uh, I'd been a real Malifaux fan and player for like three or four years prior to starting this game. Um, and Malifaux, the weird games with with the the, the second edition of Malifaux, mm-hmm. ran an open beta. They did a they did an internal alpha and then they put it out to open beta and. Um, although Malifaux is a much more elaborate and complicated game in terms of the number of uh, models that you can play with and the different interacting special rules. What I loved about that was that two things happened. One is that um, 
players could tear apart a system and find all the weaknesses in it much faster than a small team of playtesters. And the other thing is that people came out of that experience like really invested in the game. They felt like it was theirs. And uh, all the people who've been involved in the beta uh, that were around the, the Malifaux community were just super passionate about the game. They wanted to let everyone know why it was so good and how they'd been part of making it awesome. And I thought, well, that this has got to be the way to get a great game uh, out into the market. Because you you get a you get a more solid rule set that people have already poked holes in before it goes to print, and you you start the the game's life cycle with a, a group of passionate people who just want to tell people about uh, this thing that they're involved in. Yeah, that's as well for those interested in Malifaux. If you listen to the first episode of this podcast, Cast Dice, uh, it's entirely about Malifaux um, because I also play, and I have to agree, I love the way that Weird interacts with the um, community uh, and takes on feedback um i know there's sometimes people who say oh maybe they take it on too much i don't know if that's possible um maybe i guess maybe if you listen to your fans too much but i i know some of the other big gaming companies out there um gw certainly been accused of it over the years of not listening to their fan base whatsoever so i think um having that relationship with the community um i think as you say only makes for a better game so that's fantastic um all right so Let's talk a little bit about the world of the game, shall we? Um, can you talk us through your world? Because, I mean, literally, you could have created anything. Um, <laughs> so where do you want to begin? How does, it, how does your world paint a picture for us? So we start with the space race. We start with the moon landing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in our timeline in 1976, we diverge from history. So there's a there's there's a manned uh, Mars landing, which leads to a Martian settlement, you know, mostly scientific and mm-hmm. military. And then in 1982, uh, civilian Martian colonization begins. So this is, you know, if if I if I was ruler of the of the world for the last fifty years, this is where we would have got to. We need a we need a second we need a second home, right? So anyway, we've got Martian civilization, uh, Martian colonization, I should say, beginning uh, in the eighties, and then uh, in nineteen ninety one, Mars, which is uh, you know full of mineral wealth, uh, has established its infrastructure, and so is no longer really dependent on as much of the uh, kind of imports from Mother Earth. Uh, it's paying huge uh, tithes and taxes back to Earth. It's sending a lot of its mineral wealth back at, um, you know, at, at things which begin to seem to the people of Mars uh, like uh, not enough, not enough margin. And so, uh, as with any, uh, as with any independent body, uh, they attempt to to succeed. And so, there's a there's a, a moment of uh, political and uh, social debate, which uh, over the next eight years kind of escalates and collapses into full on uh, nuclear war in uh, the year 1999 in our timeline. So the Marsh, Martians attack. Uh, and Earth essentially collapses in terms of its infrastructure. And so you fast forward uh, nearly 20 years to the present day, which in our timeline is uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. It's coming up fast. And uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, the, Earth has, the Earth has been under Martian occupation for 19 years. Uh, so the war left much of Earth destroyed. 
uh, her population is enslaved by these corporations working out of Mars. Uh, so you imagine like, you know, the big the big corporations that we know globally today, imagine they're all headquartered on Mars in these beautiful Elysian uh, habitation domes. Everything's easy for them. The world is very, uh, it's, you know, there's endless possibilities on Mars. There's wealth, there's, uh, there's comfort. And all of the uh, all of the ruling kind of executive boards are there making their decisions. But their decisions affect these people on Earth separated by, you know, millions of miles. And so they can make these cold, calculated business decisions, which I don't care about the the material effects of people on earth and that's that's where that's where we find ourselves in gaslands mm -hmm. is the internet is gone but the television uh, networks continue under the global control of something called the network which is a nest of greedy and traitorous martian collaborators uh with the uh, executive producer and chief anchorman david logan responsible for creating a lineup of ultra-violent blood sports and gas guzzling death games so here is. we've got a popular yep, yep. <laughs> so you've got a population that is uh, working for the Martian corporations millions of miles away, living in the wreckage, the burnt out wreckage of Earth. The Internet's mm -hmm. gone, but television remains. Uh, you've seen The Running Man, right? Oh, That's yes. kind of where we're at here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when you start talking about ultraviolent sports and, you know, auto dueling, that sort of, um, you know, battling cars, I'm going, yep. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the game. That's awesome. So, OK, so. Is this this goes beyond arena combat though, right? This is also sort of battling in the streets. Or is that how? Yeah, I mean, we. I certainly designed the game to uh, basically. I wanted a. I wanted a set of post-apocalyptic uh, car combat games that really nicely modeled the cinematic physics yes. of cars tearing about, flipping, shooting each other, exploding. And uh, as we were playtesting the game, uh, the more and more we played it, the more we found that the death race scenario where you have you know like a grid of cars and then they're tearing around a table they're trying to get through gates which are just you know any two objects matched together so that you drive through that gate and you maybe do three gates and then back through the start line to finish um that ended up being actually the most fun and it felt the most new and fresh and it was like a really just as a game it was a really interesting way of having you know lots of different players you can get up to eight players playing the playing Gaslands super easily. And also it gives this real focus for what you're supposed to be doing in the game. And it gives a natural tension and a natural competition. So the game is kind of optimized for the death race, but uh, all of the scenarios that we included in the book include um, kind of wasteland skirmish. If you just want to be pulling donuts and shooting uh, rockets at each other around some, um, some wasteland terrain, there's um, a, what we call Saturday Night Live, which is a sort of, it's a bit like an arena of death, but you're also trying to pull off stunts uh, to impress the crowd to get uh, these things called audience votes, which help you out mechanically. Um, there's a couple of sillier scenarios, like one where a single player gets to be a grandmother dr uh, driving a monster truck who has to crush all the other cars. There's ones where you have to run as many zombies over. So I'm trying to give like a, a spread of different things so that people, whatever they want to do in terms of like their vision of the, of the cinematic 80s post-apocalyptic you should have the tools in the toolbox um to play the kind of game that you want yeah wow that sounds like you've included a lot more rules than i originally thought following the game i know that you originally just had cars but you've included rules for motorcycles now and big rigs because clearly those are fan favorites um what other sort of vehicles do, i mean you clearly put a lot in a lot of um, thought into the missions. So what kind of car classes do we have? 
Yeah, sure. So you've got bikes, you've got uh, buggies, which also work out the same rules as trikes. So you can you can have trikes with kind of you know tripod mounted, pinfall mounted mm-hmm. machine guns. You've got um, uh, your regular cars, your performance cars. You've got uh, pickup trucks, and then larger kind of um, buses and vans. And then uh, at the more exotic end of the spectrum, you've got uh, tanks, which only one of the uh, factions can take. You've got gyrocopters, which you know are your classic little microlight thing mm-hmm. from uh, from Mad Max Two. You can also have uh, full uh, helicopters. Again, only one faction can take the helicopters. Um, and I feel like I'm missing something. No, that's that's pretty much it. So, uh, oh yeah, of course I'm missing the monster trucks. Monster, monster trucks truck. and big rigs. I've seen pictures of both of those. Yeah, and the big rigs. Uh, the big rigs are uh, the one thing in the game which has a few additional rules to make sure it looks and feels right on the tabletop. So the way that it moves is a little bit different because of its uh, its articulated um, cab and trailer mechanic, mm-hmm. and like the way that it does collisions uh, is a little bit different because we wanted to make it feel like a proper locomotive uh, hitting these things and just knocking cars left left and right. Um, yeah, and so there's a, actually there's going to be a. a hopefully a pdf um mini campaign coming out uh in a couple of months after release which is all about the big rig so it's uh one player gets a big rig and everybody else becomes like these uh, teams of raiders and then you play through a a sort of slightly branching campaign of uh one player being the big rig guy and everybody else trying to drag him drag him down Uh, and there's a sort of um what's what i'm looking for like an escalation uh over the over the uh campaigns and depending on whether you win or lose certain ones you're going to take different scenarios up so that one's hopefully coming out from offspray as a pdf uh, a couple of months after release for people who are really want to get like deep into the fury road sort of um uh, battling uh trying to take a war rig down kind of stuff we got that coming i could not be more excited to hear that 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 is literally i mean the 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 big rig versus the motorcycle gang was one of my favorite scenarios to play with one of my best friends growing up and we played the hell out of that star war i'm uh, sorry car wars um uh, mission and we just played it again and again and again and we trade off and just to hear that makes me especially that it's a branching campaign and not just one mission uh, that just um, yeah that 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 warms me to the cockles of my little heart <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah well I mean go ahead well it's it's, it's such an iconic thing that I, uh, it was actually it's, it's a real shame because as we were laying out the book we realized that I'd written slightly too many words because uh, of all the glorious artwork and the diagrams and so on. So something had to go. And unfortunately, that was the thing that felt like it was kind of self-contained enough to pop out of the rule book and be uh, and be delivered um, separately. So it is. Yeah, like it's it's such an iconic part of the of the of the Mad Max uh um franchise and and kind of uh, car combat in general that it had to be in there and it had to be not just a scenario it had to be something you know that you could really sink your teeth into as a group of players oh that's awesome i love it i love it now you mentioned factions so who are these factions and i guess one would be the corporation i'm 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 inferring um what are some of the other factions that might occur in the game so actually, the corporation doesn't really appear as a playable faction because they're all uh, they're all basically um, they're all out on Mars doing their uh, doing their evil corporationy stuff. So what you've got is you've got a set of essentially iconic drivers who have won previous years of Gasland. So each year in Gaslands, you've got like local death races and events which lead you know up up the leagues to uh, essentially the the big televised. Uh, semi-finals and the, and 
the and the grand final and the winner of that um becomes you know kind of a global icon and also therefore a magnet for sponsorship money so each of the sponsors really represents a wealthy personality with a certain kind of like they they won using certain tricks and personalities and Mm -hmm. and biases and so that's kind of the thing that the people who love um uh grant rutherford who's uh one of the one of the sponsors uh he's he's like a a kind of son of an oil baron and his uh, his his company makes weapons, and so the fans, the television fans of his uh, rise to fame, and therefore all of the people that uh, followed after him, they love seeing uh, you know rockets going off everywhere and people just like loosing ludicrous amounts of ammunition. And so the skills, the the perks rather that you can uh, purchase as a driver that's sponsored by um, Rutherford are very much about kind of improving your shooting getting more out of your ammunition and then um one of the key things that the sponsors do is that they unlock these things uh which provide audience votes which i mentioned before so let me just quickly touch on the audience votes mechanic so in playtesting we were trying to find a way that even though you're the whole the whole point of the game is to blow other people up uh we really wanted to make sure that players never felt completely knocked out of the game either because they had zero cars or because they were just so far back in a race or a scenario so the audience vote mechanic is like as things happen you get audience votes as bad things happen to you you get audience votes and you can use those audience votes to um clear some uh, hazard tokens to change up gears to reload your um your ammo uh, and then ultimately if you've got uh, three ammo tokens to actually respawn uh cars right back into the game so you can get stuck back in and one of the key things that you do to get audience votes is as well as bad things happening to you giving you audience votes which helps players who are getting blown to pieces get back in the game if you do the kind of things that your sponsors fans would like to see so if you go about blowing things up with explosive rockets then rutherford's fans are going to press that press that button or dial that number to uh to to give you uh support and you'll get these audience votes which you can then spend um so for example uh, there's another sponsor called miyazaki she's uh like she runs or she ran a uh courier company a high-speed courier company in the ruins of tokyo like moving uh moving stuff around uh uh, Japan and you know maybe or maybe not she's uh, also moving uh, illicit stuff around for the earth resistance yeah. uh, nobody who ever makes that claim lasts for very long but mm-hmm. her cars are all about a small number of really high performance vehicles with really skilled drivers and those drivers get um, access to some perks which allow them to be way more maneuverable uh, much like um, kind of uh, tricksier driving and uh, if you pull off a bunch of different uh, kind of skids and spins and uh, sort of stunt maneuvers then you're going to get audience votes because that's what her uh, fans want to see that's awesome right on i love it man um it, it also um i mean, just to go back to Malfoy a little bit like you don't have to just punch someone out of the game and if you're getting punched you can do something else um i, I really like that it you don't automatically get knocked out um that there's a way to keep playing i mean it just keep, makes playing games a lot more i don't know engaging fun i mean yeah it's great well a couple of the design goals that i had right from the beginning one was i wanted to make sure it was multiplayer so it wasn't just a head-to-head game the other was i wanted to make sure that it was good for um for like that like i said for dads to introduce their uh, daughter or their son into the wargaming hobby and also to never knock a player out so everybody was in right until the end of the game because otherwise you know somebody's just sitting there on their phone not having a good time so those three things kind of pushed the game in a certain direction mm-hmm. but like solving those challenges in a way that felt 
kind of natural um, and not, you know, not cheap, not like, oh, okay, so you just get a free thing because you're an idiot. Like that was right. the, 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 the most hard, difficult thing during playtesting was like not punishing people for doing well um, and not like rewarding terrible players for being terrible, but just keeping them in if there's bad things are happening to them. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's, I, I can imagine that would have been an interesting hurdle to overcome too. That, I mean, that, that's a, it's a big goal. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> now, so then, yeah, go ahead. So let me, let me just, let me just finish off. So the, the other sponsors that we've got just real quick, uh, you've got, uh, Andre Mishkin, uh, who won in 2010, uh, with, um, his, uh, his Russian, uh, sort of engineering. He's got the kind of, uh, lightning weapons and, uh, strange, uh, mechanical turbo boosting things, which, uh, can steal, uh, steal, um, speed off other people and other weird stuff. You've got, uh, Yandri Idris, who's like, a just a straight up cult of speed obsessed with uh with the the rush of the wind and so all of his drivers are all about taking nitro and just trying to get to that like get to that top level of speed and they'll get rewarded for basically driving like like crazy people mm-hmm. um uh, and then we've got slime who is uh she runs like a feral city in the australian wastes and she is like i mean she's straight up going to be the the pink mohawk uh gang of uh crazy anarchs mm-hmm. so she is uh she's kind of all about wild and furious play um you get votes if you can manage to ping pong uh cars uh into collisions and using uh explosive molotovs so yeah she's uh <laughs> she's basically your kind of uh more straight up mad max faction and then the last one is uh, uh warden cadelia who's um the uh, warden of the San Paolo People's Penitentiary, and if you've seen the most recent Death Race movies, you're mm-hmm. going to get a pr- quick sense of what's going on here. She's got teams of convicts essentially welded into coffin cars, where uh, meaning that basically she can field more of these lightweight cars that are going to explode more quickly. But that's great because actually the fans of, uh, of, of the warden just want to see things explode. And so uh, there's a little bit of a kamikaze feel with this team where you're trying to find the right moments to sort of get those collisions, get your, basically your rigged with explosives cars to blow up and spread damage everywhere. Nice. Well, it cl- I, wow, you put a lot of thought into that. I'm, I'm loving it. And as I was listening, I was like, yep, uh, that's definitely the faction for me. Nope, I like that one. Nope, <laughs> I like that one. And so I, I love how you were able to get a bunch of sort of pop culture references and almost, you know, a few almost genres in and of themselves into your own factions. That's awesome, man. Um, mm. So which is your favorite, I suppose, is the question. Are they all sort of your favorite one way or another? <laughs> um... I what who's my favorite I guess I like the warden the most because um one of the things that frustrated some of the playtesters that helped me uh finish out the factions is that my inclination in war games is always to just crash around causing as much chaos as possible rather than building like a super tactical like very careful strategy it's why i always lose warhammer fantasy because i never have a good strategy i'm always just rampaging around uh yeah so <laughs> so that's my favorite but uh they're all i mean they're all basically the the, the thing that the thing that the play testing really helped me with because i know i know what my strengths are which is uh i love working on the physics engine i love working on taking rules out and making the game more simple i love kind of getting feedback and listening and iterating the game but i'm not 
I'm not the kind of guy that can buy a new Warhammer 40,000 army book and just instantly see the killer combos. Um, but I had a couple of playtesters in the group that are that kind of player who are those kind of tournament war gamers who look for the synergies, who look for the, the things that feel overpowered. And so just iterating and iterating through it, in terms of the combination of the special rules that you get on the vehicles, the special rules that you get from the um, sponsors and the, the perks and the weapons that you can buy to upgrade your car, like just iterating and iterating to try and find every little broken combo and make things work like they're supposed to work and nothing be untakeable and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because clearly, I mean, that was always a thing that has always happened in lots of war games where there are always those items where you go for the, oh, I'll take the best thing or I'll take this thing because it's it looks cool, but that thing other looks, that looks cool, but uh, it's just not good enough. Like it's, I don't know if I play the min-max game or the, you know, I'll take the best thing all the time game. I definitely don't in most war games that I play these days. But there's always that like, oh, this is better than the other thing. And um, it's nice to see that you've gone through and you've balanced things out like that. So when you get the chassis, you, you, do, you, do you build the cars from the ground up or are there base vehicles that you are modifying and adding and subtracting from? How, how does that work? Yeah, it's pretty simple. You just buy a vehicle type, which is, like I said, the bike, mm -hmm. the buggy, the car, the whatever. And that gives you the basic stats, the number of hull points, the handling, uh, what its max gear is, and how many crew it comes with. And then each car has a, a number of build slots. So a bike has one, a car has two, um, a war rig's got five. And each build slot is an opportunity to put a piece of equipment on, whether that's a weapon or uh, an upgrade like a like a nitro or some armor plate um, armor plating sorry so you get it, the, the the building of a the building of a car is pretty easy you just basically you just choose a car and then you choose some weapons you choose a vehicle you choose some weapons so there's not a lot of tinkering that you can do in terms of dialing down stats or dialing up stats and in terms of like the chassis there's no like armor doesn't exist on certain areas of the car or anything like that it's just intended to be pretty uh pretty simple you've just got your basic vehicle type then you add some weapons on top and that vehicle type is going to have um kind of a number of hull points so i can i can add for example i can add a flamethrower that's going to cost me two build slots i can add a, a machine gun for one there are certain things like grenades and oil slick droppers that um that don't even need a build slot so you can just pop those things on um you know they're the slightly weaker weapon option which they don't penalize you with using one of your build slots, but obviously they're going to cost you some uh, some cans, which is our kind of squad building points. And that was cans my next question. Yeah, how do you... So the, is there a point system? It sounds like you have the can system. Um, I, roughly how many cans... Does the, does the cans vary depending on the mission? Because it sounds like you've put a lot of work into the missions. Um, I guess, what does the average size game look like? How many cars or, I guess, motorcycles or... what what What's sort of the... How many models are we talking yeah. ballpark? Yeah, so fifty cans is what we recommend in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go a little a little lower if you've got more players or you want to play a short game, or you can go up to like we we've played up to a hundred, no problem. One hundred and twenty we've played occasionally, uh, but fifty cans is the is the normal, and that depending on how tricked out your vehicles are, you're going to get between two and five vehicles if you go for all bikes you'll probably end up with like eight maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's the model count we're talking about: two to five um, matchbox vehicles. So I guess I have a thousand questions. So rather than asking you, why don't I just say, can you just sort of talk us through the game a bit? So once once we have our faction, you have your faction, you've, you've bought your vehicles, you've upgraded things however you want, you've got your mission, you're on the table. 
What's next? Talk us through it a little bit. How does the game work? Yeah, sure. Okay, so the game breaks down into turns, and each turn you're going to have six gear phases. One, two, three, four, five, six. Each gear phase, uh, any card that's in that gear or higher is going to get to activate. So what that means is uh, if you're in a high gear, if you're in like gear five, you're going to get to activate five times in a turn. If you're only in gear one or two, you're only going to activate one or two times. Um, So slightly weird to begin with, but uh, it plays out very nicely. So in your activation, you're going to get to choose a car and then you're going to have to do a couple things. The first thing is you have to look at the templates. Uh, So I should say that Gaslands uses a set of uh, movement templates that Mm -hmm. are reminiscent to players of X-Wing or Wings of War. Um, They're available to photocopy or um, out the back of the book you can download them from our website or you can buy some lovely perspex ones directly from us so you're going to look at the very nice by the way they look very nice (laughs) thank you very much so there's a range of templates that you have to look at but you're not allowed to touch because as soon as you touch one of those templates that is the maneuver that your vehicle is going to take on each template there's a sort of a set of icons which is going to tell you a couple of pieces of information one is it's going to tell you what gears you have to be in uh for that maneuver to be permitted so uh, a sharp turn is going to have maybe one two three lit up so you can make that maneuver if you're in gear one gear two or gear three whereas the long straight template uh actually has only got five and six lit up so if you're in one two three four you're not you're not actually moving fast enough to take that really long template but if you're in gear five or gear six then you can select it so that's how the current gear that you've shifted up into affects the maneuvers that you can take okay that makes sense so once you've So once you've selected a template, uh, then you're going to pop it down on the table. Before you push the um, templates to the uh, the car to the other end of the template, what you do is you grab some of these things called skid dice, which uh, we uh, sell uh, or you can make custom skid dice with the with the faces on. Uh, or you can just use a D6 as a table in the rule book for that. Now, the, the skid dice are there to do a couple things. They've got... Uh, some shift icons on they've also got a single spin icon a single slide icon and a single hazard icon the hazard is the only one that's 100 percent bad news so the three shift icons are the ones that you're really looking for because if you roll uh, a bunch of shift uh, shift results then you can use those in a couple of ways one is that you can change up gear or down gear uh, or the other is that you can clear these things called hazard tokens you get a hazard token for changing gear uh, you're gonna get hazard tokens for a bunch of different reasons but um once I've changed uh, up gear, which is something I want to do, because if I'm in a higher gear, I'm going to get to activate more times this turn. Then I can pop my car down at the other end of the template. Uh, and if I am uh, in range of anybody uh, to shoot, which is simply, uh, you played Mana War? I have. I played it once, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. So uh, we, use the, we use the movement templates as shooting templates, uh, which I think I pinched that off Man of War. I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, so you just take that shooting, that movement template, and you, you stick it next to your car, and you see if you can touch another enemy vehicle. And if you can, you can roll a couple uh, D6, depending on the number of attack dice of a weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty simple. You're just looking for four, five, or sixes to damage, and a six counts as two damage. Nice. Then the other guy is going to get get to roll and evade. So they roll a number of dice uh, equal to the speed that they're going, and any sixes are going to cancel out one of your hits. So kind of the faster you're going, the more difficult you are to be uh, shot at, and there's always a chance that you can uh, deflect or dodge some of those hits. Nice. I like that. It gives the gives you a benefit for going faster, um, and it also, I mean, it just it, it's cinematic the way it sounds. Mm. 
And then uh, I mentioned these hazard tokens, and these are kind of a crucial aspect of the game. Um, the like uh, a hazard token is just a thing that you pop onto your onto your car's dashboard and if you change gear you're going to get one if you roll a spin result or a slide result you're going to get one uh, if you roll a hazard result you're going to get one uh, if somebody crashes into you you're going to get two if you crash into somebody else you're going to get two if somebody throws a grenade at you you're going to get one there's a bunch of different ways that you can get these hazard tokens mm -hmm. and these are kind of your driver getting uh, more and more intense and uh, struggling to keep the vehicle under control where the vehicle itself starting to wobble and shake um and if you get six of these things that's bad news because at the end of anybody's activation if any car on the table has got six hazard tokens they're going to wipe out which uh basically means they're going to drop their speed all the way down to one which is bad news because they're probably going to lose the rest of their activations for that turn and then the player to their left gets to rotate that car on the spot to face any direction normally facing directly off the table or into some kind of hideous obstacle <laughs> yeah so that's, no, that, that's, uh, that's what happens if you get six I was going to ask if it was terminal <laughs> but I, that sounds bad enough yeah exactly pointing in the wrong direction and not being able to move not good in vehicular combat games yeah, exactly. It's not it's not the end of your game because at the top of the next turn, you're going to be able to um, stick your foot down, roll those skid dice, try and get those shift results. And you can you can use as many shift results as you want to shift up as many times. So you can get back into a nice high gear relatively quickly. There's no there's no um, super that uh, you're not going to get trapped at the back. Nice. I like it. I like it. All right. So now I, I noticed that on the templates, on the Perspex templates that we were talking about a minute ago, there seems to be like a little divot out of the left or the right side of it, depending on which way you're holding it. Um, is that for you to put the dice in or what's why is that little hook there? I was wondering <laughs> if that was part of the game. So, planning. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think how to describe this on a podcast. But so we've got the slide uh, result that we didn't talk about on the shift uh, on the on the skid dice, I That's should say. Right. Yeah. And if you roll a slide results, then this is actually going to change where your final position is. So instead of driving down the template and ending up at the other end of the template, facing in the direction that you thought you were going to do, instead you take this slide template, which is like a a template about as wide as a car is long, and has a little pointy. Um, uh, arrow pointing out of it and that's the same shape as the notch that's taken out of each template so what you're going to do is you're going to take for example your 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 turn template on the outside of the corner of that turn template there's a notch and you're going to plug in the slide template so if you can imagine that you've lost control your you know your kind of wheels have locked up maybe and instead of ending up where you were expecting going straight around a curve you've kind of side slipped out to the side of where you were expecting um facing in the direction roughly that you were heading but now you've kind of slipped off to the side and it's actually really cool because that could be terrible that could slam you straight into a wall or another car or actually that could be exactly the maneuver that you needed to do you didn't want to just take a standard turn you needed to be able to drift a little bit to the side in order to get around an obstacle or get a better firing arc so the the the, the sort of negative results, if you want, on the skid dice end up giving you more tactical options because um, you can change your final position to uh, a much broader range of things than the movement templates initially suggest. I like it. I like it. It's And again, it uses the templates, so it's very it's clean. It's not like you're going to be... I know having played, you have played some fantasy, it sounds like, 
that sometimes the way you maneuvered things could get a little gamey, especially when moving smaller units around with small base sizes. But, I mean, you have very clearly laid out base sizes in this game, and you are plugging templates in, and you it's simple. You get your models there, you put in the template down, you move your model to the other side of the template, or if there's a drift um, or a slide, you have that little add-on. So, again, it's very clean, and, I mean, it sounds like it takes all the arguments out of it. It's just, this is where it goes, this is what it does, um, but it gives you more options at the same time. Um, is that... Yeah, that's the, that's the hope. That is the hope. I mean, it, 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 the, 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 template, the template things are obviously super similar to X-Wing. There's no way that I can deny that. Um, but the thing that I wanted to get that was different to X-Wing is that X-Wing um, has a, a sort of geometric purity to it like you can move in certain ways and you end up exactly in those places and actually you can it's like a, almost like a game of chess you can see how even in turns five and six you can see the the, the way that a ship maneuvered to get to that spot that it's now on the board and mm-hmm. you, you can sort of see actually it should be at 45 degrees because there's no possible way it's at like 37.8 degrees unless it got nudged because we we know exactly where it started and where it should be now whereas I wanted with Gaslands because of the cinematics of, you know, of Hollywood cars rolling and flipping and skidding and sliding and handbrake turning. I wanted it to be with the cleanness of the templates, but with a, a little bit more analogness to the movement. So the last skid dice result that we haven't talked about is the spin. And that one um, is, is actually just a really useful result where you get to the end of the template and then you can rotate on the spot up to 90 degrees in any direction you're gonna to have to take a hazard token for the for the privilege but it means that you can you can tweak your your direction so that you can change where you're going to be headed next turn because you can tweak that up to 90 degrees in any direction oh that's that's so you, fantastic uh, so hold on i'm just going to quickly stop you there because i haven't actually played this myself so if you absolutely are sort of desperate and you need to avoid hitting a post um or get between two boulders um by i mean it sounds like it, there's a negative and you'll you'll maybe lose some of your control but you'll be pointing in the direction you want to go i think that's really that's really crucial as you say because in x-wing it is absolutely you can see it several turns in advance but here there is that that player choice there's more of that element i love it um yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there i just was thinking it through because i haven't played it but that sounds it sounds like exactly what I would be looking for in a game because with X-Wing, like it is very much as you say. You see it, you see where it goes, um, and which makes me flying into asteroids constantly really, you know, embarrassing <laughs> because I should have seen it coming. Um, but with this, I feel like I might be able to maneuver around it better. Um, is that kind of yeah? And this, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's still an element of skill in terms of choosing the right template and particularly one of the skills that you'll end up developing as you play the game is how to manage those hazard tokens, when to take risks and build hazard tokens up and when to play slightly safer and maybe not accelerate as much and maybe take um, more gentle maneuvers to keep those hazard tokens low when you don't need to be um, really pushing it. <laughs> one of the classic uh, problems that the, the classic like situations that I see the first time a group of people play uh, Gaslands, particularly the death race scenario is they will all accelerate off the starting line up to like speed four or speed five. They'll all have like five or four hazard tokens on. And then somebody will immediately think it's hilarious to crash into someone straight away off. The, they'll spin out. Suddenly there'll be a car facing the wrong direction. That's like across the starting line. And it's just, it's, 
I see it. So, we've demoed it at so many different shows, and the the like first turn pile up on the start line before people realise that you don't need to pile all of your hazard tokens on and accelerate to speed five straight away. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. It's it, it's become a it's become a running joke uh, between the three of us that demo the game. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I was going to ask you about that. Um, now, I do. I guess I want to talk rules too, but I've noticed that you guys have demoed this at quite a few shows. Um, I've seen pictures on the Facebook page. Um, has the way that it's been playing in these shows um, throughout the last year or so, has that really affected the game's development as well? Um, just being just that multiplayer Mario Kart-esque kind of feel? Definitely. One of the, I guess the, the most important thing demoing it to so many new players in a noisy show environment um when people are busy and they only want to stay for 15 minutes or they've got kids and the kids want to play the most important thing i guess has been uh it's been really useful to flag out rules that just aren't needed mm -hmm. um so when i'm explaining the game and i get to something and like i can see people are slightly their eyes are drifting away and i just like yeah okay that rule is just too much like is the game still going to be fun is it still going to work without that one without that rule in and there's been a bunch of different things that as we've gone through playtesting and demos we've stripped things out because you know they were neat ideas and they kind of they, they caught on a piece of theme or a piece a piece of the genre but actually they didn't really add anything so the game is just exactly the same without it um but that's one of the things that the um the uh, beta testing did was it people just had all these fantastic ideas about things to add in different weapons different mechanics like ways of achieving the um a kind of classic handbrake turn and all this stuff and so it was great because we could add all these things in bloat the game up massively and then take 80% of them out, but leave the one or two that were really good that maybe we wouldn't have thought of um, straight off the bat. Nice. So yeah, that's the main thing that demoing so many people has done. It's kind of keep it lean. Nice. Now, I, I feel like we kind of maybe changed the subject a little bit when you're talking through game mechanics. Um, are you happy with how you've described that, or is there anything else you want to talk about? I would normally have a more directed list. Um, sorry, listeners. Um, I don't actually have the rules in my hand yet. Mine is literally in the mail. Um, I've got my shipping notification. <laughs> it is literally, it. it is somewhere between the United Kingdom and here. Um, so I'm not actually holding it. So I'm kind of going off of um, secondhand info. Driving blindfold. Well, yeah, literally. <laughs> so, so Mike, uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about rules-wise? Because I definitely have a few more questions um, about the only, sort of mechanics the only, and everything. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. The only general thing I want to say is that um, the way that we play it uh, and demo it and the way that the basic game works is uh, it's just all the movement and the shooting mechanics. What I was talking about in terms of sponsors those are optional rules, uh, advanced rules that you can add if you're the kind of group that wants those. Cool. Uh, audience votes, those are additional advanced rules. Um, the war rig, those are advanced rules. So we try and break break the game in the middle of the book where it's like, here's all of the stuff that you actually need to drive around shooting uh, people, and the rest of it is just gravy that you can add on if you want it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask, so are there optional rules, or are you going to be – I mean, it sounds like you're going to put out the PDF later – um, I mean, do you have grand designs depending on how this goes? Um, where, where do you see the future with this? Or are you thinking about, Hmm, I've got this other bee in my bonnet. So I have thought a lot about this cause it's been like two years in development, uh, Gaslands now. And, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of my baby and, uh, I really want to see Gaslands, uh, flourish as a game. And I don't think 
It's possible to do that without keeping um, things tickling into the community that are reminding people of the game, that are giving them new ways to play. And so there's definitely a, a, a stack of stuff planned. Some of it is already in playtesting to help the game grow and expand and change. Um, the honest truth is that it depends with Offspray how well this thing sells, whether or not we get some expansion. So you'll know that uh, if you follow the Offspray Wargame series that, for example, um, In Her Majesty's Name sold really well and had a couple of uh, printed expansions um, and... Um, uh, Lion Rampant develops into mm -hmm. Dragon Rampant. But really, just like in terms of will there be expansions, that comes down to Offspray and I seeing how well the game goes. Obviously, I've got loads of ideas, and at the very least, there'll be PDF expansions coming out. Um, there's a couple of articles coming out in UK Wargame magazines, uh, which contain optional rules. And yeah, I mean, the plan is at least for the next two years to keep putting things out every three months or so that give you a new way to play or a new faction or some new options or new scenarios. Nice. Now, that brings me to my next point, because I think we've been talking about this game and it sounds awesome to me. And I, clearly I'm 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 excited. Um, so I guess the next thing is how people can get involved. Now, um, the Gaslands, if you look up Gaslands on Facebook, there's an excellent Facebook group where a lot of people have been sharing their hobby uh, as in taking matchbox cars and converting them. People asking rule questions, clarifying things, people sharing pictures of their games um, and talking about their experiences. Um, I know the website has been gas was a gaslands.com. Yep. Um, and that has uh, even more information on it. Uh, if people really want to, I mean, besides just walking to the local gaming store, what do you recommend for people who are interested in this and want to become more involved? Yes, if you want to become more involved, then, uh, as you say, if you're on Facebook, get involved in the Gaslands Facebook group. Just just search for Gaslands. The website has got a forum uh, where uh, the beta testers and hopefully as this goes out uh, into the market, um, gamers will start sharing their uh, their, their teams, the, the cars they've converted, the terrain um, that they've been building for the game. Um, I'm going to be uh, promoting a section there for different race uh, track layouts because uh, that's a really interesting and different part of the game, which maybe, you know, if you set, uh, you might not uh, uh, think of all the different ways that you can lay a racetrack out. Um, yeah, and so those are the two best ways of getting. You can also follow Gaslands on Twitter if you search for Gaslands underscore game. Um, and we're constantly posting uh, photos of, of the cars and sharing um, tips. And if you want to know more about the game and like how it developed more than we've had a chance to talk about here, if you head to gaslands.com and look at the design blog, um, throughout the process of designing the game, I was posting different uh, kind of musings on uh, the game in its current states and so there's a bunch of different um, articles on there that you can read about how Gaslands came to be. Yeah, I, I read quite a few of those. Um, I've really enjoyed those. So, And I, I've been seeing on Facebook that you've been putting up links. Um, are those videos that people can watch um, that clarify the different mechanics? Uh, there will be a getting started video uh, coming soon. That's not finished yet. Uh, but um, there's a set of like sort of teaser articles that I'm running at the moment to get people excited about what the basic mechanics are and why, uh, you know, why this game is, is new and fresh and different. Nice. Very nice. Um, now I went into a shop recently and they were playing X-Wing Mario Kart, 
where they had shit set up <laughs> and they literally had taped off a flat table um, and taped off walls and they were playing Mario Kart where they were just, you know, maneuvering around and trying not to hit walls and trying not to hit each other um, and racing. Um, and I was thinking, man, that looks like fun on one hand. But then I really watched them for a few minutes and I went, man, that is a piece of you know, spray painted two by four with some masking tape on it. Um, just watch. And then I looked at the Gaslands page and just looking at 3D terrain, post-apocalyptic. I mean, there's some awesome racetrack mm. terrains out um, terrain out there. There are, you know, just tracks. Um, there's wasteland boards. There are people who are trying different things. But just to see that brought to life is so much more interesting than the Mario Kart X-Wing board. And just to see the painted cars, and it's not just like a pre-painted X-Wing ship that you can buy and put down on the table. Don't get me wrong. I play X-Wing. I enjoy it. It's fun. I think they look great. However... Hey, Gaslands has pre-painted miniatures as well. You just get down to your local supermarket and buy yourself some Hot Wheels cars. Uh, But you just just hit them with a hammer. It's fine. Exactly. You actually beat me to my next point. Um, Taking... (laughs) I mean, you can literally go... And I guess that was my next point. If you're looking for models, go to your local, Mm. you know, dollar shop. Go to your local toy shop. Um, Go to Target. Go to, you know, Walmart. Go to Big W. Whatever your local thing is that you kids would buy matchbox cars um when i was looking into doing some car war stuff before i went into toys r us i went into all the shops i could get and there you know there there's some stuff out there you you look at a few places and you go oh they're all kind of selling the same run like clearly this is this collection that hot wheels or matchbox is selling right now um but if you start going into like dollar shops and even secondhand Hmm. shops some of the some of the the alternate vehicles you can find are really really cool. Um, not to say that some of the ones you can find in regular toy stores aren't cool, but I actually went back to my parents' house when I was on this little journey. Um, just happened to go home um, to say you know see my family, and I actually went up to the attic and I found an old crate of my old Matchbox cars from when I was a kid, and I cherry picked cool. the collection from like the late 70s, early 80s. And man, you want to talk about some classic cars. When I got them, they were new. Now you look at them and you go, <laughs> man, that, that's a that's a seven, that's a late 70s Corvette. That's amazing. That's going on a tabletop. So, but, to, and again, they look great just to put them on the table and to be like pushing around and it's cool. But the second mm. you actually take the time and you, you know, custom paint it and you, you know, weather it or damage it and you put the guns on it um, and you make it your own and then you put it on good terrain. Again, it just adds mm. that element to the game. Um, how are you seeing that with I mean, clearly some of the show terrain that you guys have been posting on the Facebook page is a, is fantastic. Um, do you have any favorites that? Um, that you're just boards or vehicles or has your journey been similar? And I mean, you've been doing this a lot more than I have and I really enjoyed my journey. Is there any element of that to you for you as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've probably made 50 convert painted conversions at this point because I uh, was making cars to make sure that we tested all the models and I was make, making cars so that we could, uh, for the photographs in the book as well. And, uh, yeah, it's addictive. It's, um, the this it's so good because you see people on the on the um on the forum 
but they came to Gaslands maybe from 40k and they came with their kind of orc plasticard conversions mm-hmm. and there's like really elaborate like giving giving a, a vw beetle a spiky mohawk uh, as one of my absolute favorites mm-hmm. or taking pieces pieces of um you know world war ii equipment like uh, artillery guns and popping those on the back of um sort of flatbed pickup trucks uh yeah it's been it's been fantastic to see but the terrain the terrain is is um going to be really interesting to see how the community catches on to that because obviously you can take you can take a pretty standard wasteland direction where you can you can use you know maybe stuff that you've been using for like um wild west boards or like malifaux mm-hmm. uh, prospector town boards and you know the the stacks of uh, of rocks and stuff you can use super easily but if you go in a more industrial direction and it's more like Docklands and you know burnt out kind of urban scapes, and I think there's a lot uh, there's a lot to be done with that. In fact, we played a really nice game on um, uh, who is it? Um, Hawk War Games, the Drop Zone Commander ships with like these paper sort of post-apocalyptic um, streetscapes, and those are really cool because then you're like driving around city blocks and stuff. Uh, yeah, so th- there's a, there's a lot of options now that you've got um, something that's uh, that's both. You know, you can use some of the stuff that you use for 28 mil and it looks fine, uh, but you can also go ahead and build things that are really uh, specific and bespoke. So the other funny thing I've noticed uh, as this game's kind of gone through the playtesting and as begin to get out into the community ahead of the release is that uh, I kind of accidentally, with the Hot Wheels car, sort of... Um, invented a ccg war game because as i'm rummaging through the cardboard displays of hot wheels cars which are all random like you never know what's going to be in there mm-hmm. uh i'm looking i'm pulling these things out and go oh wow i've never seen this one before i could do something super good with that oh i've never seen this before and then people other people are finding these different cars uh and i'm like oh i've got to find that guy now like i don't know i haven't seen that one yet but i've got mm-hmm. a really awesome conversion idea for that and so it's weird like it, it uh like you were saying rummaging uh rummaging through older cars like there's a I have a box of Hot Wheels cars. There's like 80 of them in here. It's a terrible disease that I've suddenly got. Like I'm collecting these things. And and it, that same excitement of like opening a booster of CC, of, of uh, collectible card games and going, ooh, well, I've never seen this rare card. It kind of works the same with the Hot Wheels one. So uh, yeah, I accidentally have fallen down this pit. But uh, maybe that'll happen to other people. That's kind of a fun aspect of Gasland. But it's also, I mean, it also goes back to the joy of being a kid and opening a present and finding, you know, a cool toy. And it's a cool toy that we as adults can be like, oh, this is cool. Um, I don't know. As a primary school teacher, I spent a lot of time around kids. And and there is nothing quite like watching a kid excited about something. Um, And just to be able to relive some of that joy as an adult, um, you know, having spent so much time around kids, it's not something we get to do all that often um, sometimes as an Mm. adult. But I, I just, I love that nature of the hobby. And Gaslands brings it out in spades, as you say, because I mean, you're literally going, oh, cool, look what I got. It's a toy. And it's not mm. like some CCG, <laughs> you know, collectible car games, for example, where you're dropping a million dollars on, you know, you're, you're not dropping serious coin. We're talking about a couple of bucks a car. Um, and it's yeah. just cool. And so I can see why it's addictive, though, because you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just pick up another car. It's only another couple of bucks. Oh, yeah, I'll just pick up another exactly, car. Exactly. Yeah. And they uh, they they have it at the week they have it at the supermarket both the supermarkets local to me so just a weekly shop oh accidentally five mo- five more cars fell in the shopping cart yeah my wife it's terrible my <laughs> wife called me on that when we were coming back from the states when I went on that one trip and she said, how many cars are you bringing back no don't worry <laughs> about it it's all good <laughs> only a dollar each it's totally fine 
Yeah, well, in my case, it was even worse. I already own these. They are from my parents' house. And it was like my suitcase is weighed down by metal cars. Uh, Um, Now, I guess that brings us to another quick hobby question. Now, when you're converting your cars and when you're painting them, um, I know some people like to strip paint off. I know some people like to just paint over. Do you have a particular preference? Um, You seem to be a man who knows his car converting hobby. Uh, yeah, so I, I I know that like our most prolific car painter is a guy called James Hall, who used whose stuff you can see on Facebook and also on our website. He strips everything and starts from scratch priming them. Mm-hmm. Uh, life's too short for that for me, so I'll tend to just give them a um, a going over with some sandpaper, oh, which like I'll probably be. I'll probably be doing like I'll probably like file some uh, like I'll take a big heavy file and kind of gouge in to get some some scrapes and lines across the car then maybe i'll go at it with a hammer to try and like put some dents in um although those the the the, the proper hot wheels die cast ones particularly uh, some of the sports cars like they're pretty tough cookies but anyway then i'll, and then I'll get a rank suspension not the car <laughs> Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, yeah, that's one thing I should say is that I will, uh, if you take a, uh, a cordless drill and you put a, um, a drill bit that is about the same width of the rivet that's on the bottom of the car, Mm -hmm. you can drill straight into the rivet, shear the top of the rivet off. And then the two parts of the car will come easily apart, which gives you lots of different options on the one hand to, um, to, uh, strip and modify the, the chassis part, like putting wire inside the windows and all that kind of good stuff, but also means that you can, you know, swap out the wheels super easily and put bigger, chunkier tires on or swap the whole thing out for, for, um, uh, tank tracks or whatever you want to do. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a decent tip. And then, yeah, so a bit of, hold on really quick on that. If you do that, um, if you're a paint stripper, not a stripper stripper or both, um, if you take, um, if you take the car apart, oftentimes a lot of modern cars are, have the, the bottom is plastic or the top is plastic. Like one part's plastic, one part's metal. Unlike the original seventies right. cars, which are generally mostly metal. Um, if you go back and you're trying to strip paint off, you could actually run into some problems because some of that paint stripper, just word to the wise, can melt plastic. So you want to yep. get it just down to that metal component before you try and strip things back. Nice. Not that I've tried that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then also if you're if you're if you're roughing up the paint job with um, sandpaper, obviously that's going to uh, it's going to take super glue better for your for your guns and stuff. Although I'll tend to score with a knife as well on both sides to make sure that join is good. Haven't had too much problem with um, with guns and bits falling off. Uh, that all was pretty good. Yeah, and then get yourself some get yourself some really fine um, wire mesh. Like from art supply stores, you can get it for. The, I guess it's for it's for creating shapes that you would then paper mache. Right. Um, but it's like a kind of fine artist wire, and then you can cut you can cut that out with scissors. You push that up into the inside of the chassis. Nothing looks better than than kind of wire mesh on the inside of the windows, in my opinion. Yeah, it looks fantastic, and it it's one of the it's one of the signature moves that a lot of people do. But there's a reason it looks great, and so yeah, why not, right? Uh, and it takes paint really well too. So yeah, it's a fantastic mm. tip. Right on, man. Well, look, I I, I don't want to cut us off, but I also know that our time is coming near an end. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about Gaslands um, before we get to where can I buy this? I mean, anything about the world? Anything about the game? Anything about the community? Um, Anything at all you'd like to talk about? The floor is yours. All I want to say is that uh, uh, 
it's best played with four, five, six players. Like, take the time to to treat this like a like a a game with with mates or, or club mates that uh, is going to be a multiplayer game because that's where that's where this thing stands out for me. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting together with a, a group of folks. Uh, I hope you don't mind. I I'm hoping this is an excellent. In my mind, it sort of falls into a beer and pretzels. And not in a, I don't say that in a bad way. I say that in a complimentary way. Like a game oh, you yeah, can yeah, sit yeah. down with your mates, play some games. I mean, it sounds like you can get up to some hijinks and shenanigans, backstab some people, you know, flip a car. Like this, this sounds like it is totally up my alley and I cannot wait to play it. Um, would you say that that is kind of where you're at um, with what, where it ended up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the 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 whole point of this game was to create something that was fast and felt like it was as cinematic as a as a car combat game should be, and that it was quick to play, and that you got to the end of it and you wanted to play a second one, and you can get two games in in an evening. That's absolutely, you know, depending on the level of uh, beverage intake, that's absolutely the uh, intended uh, effect of the game. Fantastic, and most of all, fun. So, and uh, just looking at the community and the people who are already playing it. I'm like the kid outside in the snow watching other kids at Christmas time open their presents. I'm just like, I have fun too. Please, sir. Can I please have some fun now? Um, so uh, yeah, now that my, now that my master's final grades in, I am now literally checking my post box every day going. So how about that gas lands? Can I get some of that gas lands? How about the gas lands? I got the cars lined up. I'm ready to go. So, uh, Yes, uh, guys, in a future episode, I will absolutely, uh, I'm going to get some folks together uh, and we're going to play some Gaslands and we're going to talk about it. And um, look, I, 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 I cannot wait. Um, but before we do that, I think Mike needs to tell us, Mike, where do we find Gaslands? I know mine's on the way, but I have seen it all over the traps. Um, why don't you talk about if people are interested besides their local game store, where can people find it? Yeah, so if you're interested in picking it up, um, it's going to be it's officially available from November 30th onwards. Uh, I would obviously recommend picking it up at your local uh, friendly game store. Uh, you can also get it from pretty much anyone that is stocking the uh, Offspray title, so any uh, online retailer that you're using. It's also available if you want to get in um, early. It's available to pre-order from gaslands.com. Uh, we're actually doing a bundle there where you can get a discount on the accessories, so the custom uh, skid dice, the movement templates, the, the Perspex ones that we talked about, also a set of templates for um, hazard tokens and ammo tokens and audience vote tokens. And yeah, and I'll, I'll we, there's a there's a copy of the rules in that bundle which I'll uh, I'll sign for everyone because this is literally me in my shed sending all this stuff out. Nice. Yeah, look, guys, I know I've said that the, the, the tokens look nice and the templates look nice. They look really nice. Um, this is a sweet-looking set. So if you haven't looked, gone over to gaslands.com and looked at the shop, yeah, damn, it, they, it, they look nice. Um, if you're in Australia and shipping is sometimes an issue and you're looking for the local and you don't have a local game shop near you and you're thinking, man, I really wish an Australian distributor sold this, um, I was talking to the the nice guys at War and Peace Games. Um, they will be getting these from Osprey as well. So um, feel free to call John Great. and Ian and say, hey, I would like some Gaslands, please. Um, and say, old man, Morin sent you. Um, because literally, I know they're getting it in soon. Um, and look, book distributors, are. I, I know I saw it. I was buying books for my class. I saw it on different book websites. Um, I've seen it on North Star Hobbies on their um, they they 
we're pro- uh, promoing it on their Facebook page. It's it's all over the place. I'm just I'm looking forward to this blowing up and walking into a game store and watching people play Gaslands next to X-Wing Mario Kart or instead of um, because in my mind, this is exactly that kind of game that is just fun and I just want to play. So, yeah. Uh, Mike, any final words? Um, because I think it's about that time. No, Brad. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. It's been super good to talk. Well, that's the other thing. I, I just really want to take this opportunity to thank you for coming on. Uh, I know the Cast Dice is a new podcast, uh, and I know we talked about you coming on a million years ago when it was um, the LRDG two, and <laughs> weirdly, it was when the LRDG two was just starting. I think that we had this first conversation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's thank you very much for taking the time. Um, I really appreciate it. And hey, uh, you you have some more Gaslands coming this way, and you want to talk about it? Look us up. We'd love to ha- have you back on and talk about it again soon. Awesome. And best of luck with the new podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. As always, um, if you would like to talk about Gaslands or you have questions about it, um, you can find information about the game through our Facebook page. Um, That would be Cast Dice, C-A-S-T Dice. Um, the, the page also is called the land O misfit toys. Although if you put that in, you often get some weird seventies Christmas animated puppet thing, which is not what the podcast is about. Um, but if you put cast dice into Facebook, you'll find that. Um, again, we love feedback. I guys, I've been blown away with how many people have been sending me feedback about the new cast. Um, I'll keep doing it. If you guys keep listening, um, please let me know. you love it. You hate it. Um, you think it's okay. Let me know. It, it is a, uh, it is an interesting solitary existence as a podcaster and it's nice to hear from you. Uh, and to all the p- people who have found me and tracked me down at Moab when I was up in Sydney recently, um, and said they recognized my voice because that's not creepy in public. Um, thank you very much. It was, uh, it was, it was just amazing to meet people who actually listen and took the time to go out and find me anyway. Um, until next time. Now, as promised, we are going to start doing sort of a, not just a, a gaming episode we're going to start doing fun episodes on the side um that tackle stories call it story time with old man morin or the nerd book corner uh we're actually going to start with a graphic text um we're going to talk about a comic run from classic x-men the dark phoenix story uh, and that is our next episode i'm going to have a close friend of the cast christian blatt from the blatt cast on uh and we are going to talk comic books for the first time in this podcast history so Buckle up. Uh, It's going to be a wild ride. Thank you very much for joining us. This is Cast Dice, signing off.